Hey, hey. Hola, Madridistas. Welcome to another episode of Let's Be Real Podcast. Sorry we're late. I take full responsibility. Um, I just overslept, was nursing a bad cold. But that's no excuse for a YouTuber. I need to be here on time. And sorry, guys, but uh, <laughs> we're here. We're finally here. We did not pull an Mbappe. We did not make empty promises and not say that we're not here. But anyways, <laughs> uh, back to the task at hand. Uh, today we'll be reviewing the game again, uh, previewing the game against Almeria, and talk about a bunch of other stuff, uh, namely uh, things that happened in the Sevilla game, the Super Cup, uh, the Getafe game against Barcelona, uh, and then we'll uh, touch up a bit about uh, Arribas and uh, the Kepa situation. But before we go into all of that, uh, I'd just like to welcome the panel, Mo. Uh, how you feel? Yeah, man, I'm great. Just happy to be here. You know, you're making such a big <laughs> sacrifice. So I'm here too. <laughs> like this, you know, this is one of those, you know, uh, things you see on those, you know, reality TV, and like, oh, it's an honor to be here. Like this is, you know, this is my dream. Like when I was a child, I dreamt about being here and this and that. No, and uh, I'm being honest. I am just here because you know uh, Jacob is making such a huge sacrifice. He's sick and he's still here. You know, he's putting us to shame. So uh, we have to be here as well. <laughs> and, and Farooq, I don't know what you're talking about, but this definitely was my dream growing up. I wanted okay. to always make a podcast on you know Real Madrid. So yeah, I'm living my dream. Yeah. I thought you always saw, I thought you always saw me in your dream when you're young and be like, yeah, I need to, you know, hang out with Farouk and make a podcast and, you know, just... Exactly, exactly. And, you know, when I was a little boy, I, I used to have these dreams about, I would meet this kid from you know, Nigeria and then we'd get together and make a podcast. Yeah, so definitely. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, man. You, you should just get in line, man. A lot of people are having this dream, so you should be, you should, you should count yourself out. I'm just thankful, you know, that you're giving me the time of day, so... Yeah. Anytime, man, like, you know, we are humble people, you know, it's, 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 it's an honor for us to, you know, open the path for people like you, Mo. <laughs> I, I mean, if anybody didn't know about Farouk, now they know all about him, so. <laughs> no, I think everyone here in the chat knows about Farouk, so. <laughs> I mean, if by chance we have some new viewers joining in, you know, listening yeah. in, trying to see what this whole fuss is all about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, the guys in the chat, Hassan, Ashik, thanks for waiting. So apparently they've already done an intro for us, so we didn't have to do it. But yeah, let's get right into it. So what do you want to discuss first, uh, the Getafe game or the Super Cup? I know, man. I, I think we definitely need to touch upon the Hetafe game as we were discussing, you know, before we started this whole thing. I guess, like, uh, time-wasting, or, you know, as, <laughs> as Bordelas put it, Barcelona moaning and whining, whatever you want to call it. You know, Hello? actually, after, I, I, I didn't watch the game against Barcelona, but after, like, I came to uh, realize that the game was in play for 50-something minutes. I don't know exactly what the are. You know what came to my mind? Firstly, I don't know if you guys remember. In 2020, I explained Getafe and Getafe like knocked Ajax by 3-2 or 3-1, something like this. Like, uh, you know, in that game, there was like around 95 minutes on the clock and the total play time was 42 or 43 minutes. That, that, 
So that was Sunil calling. Jacob, Jacob is getting late night calls. I don't know. Bro, it's it's oh. it's 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 twelve. It's it's one a.m. Bro, like who's calling you at one a.m. Jacob, what time is it in India? Uh, it's so what? Yeah, it's one a.m. But then it was Sunil calling me to like adjust something so the OBS. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you guys continue. Yeah, yeah, you know, as I was saying, like, you know, like, that that's what came to my mind, you know, and I'm just thinking, you know, like, after all the clamping down and everything and all the, you know, mathematics and science and, you know, nuclear physics and everything, yeah, Bordelas still does what he does. And here we are, uh, you know, they, I think they added nine minutes of added time and, like, the effective play period was three minutes. Like, I'm just throwing out random numbers, like, I might be wrong. Well, honestly, I, that was just came to I, mind. I might be wrong, as well, but I thought it was 15 minutes. I don't know if yeah. that's true. The number I heard was 15 minutes as well. 15 minutes yeah yep. well but then what was the you know effective play time do you guys know i yeah. heard it was in the 40s like 46 minutes and something exactly. oh, god holy i mean honestly like what borderless doors with it should be studied somewhere at the university honestly i mean it takes a lot of effort to not play honestly like you know we have what you know Mourinho did with chelsea you know we had atletico you know the 2013, 2014, 2015 as well. But I mean, this is something else. I don't think those guys didn't want to play ball. Like, you know, Borderlands has this team that I don't want to call it a dark art because honestly, like, it's 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 something to cherish. You know, when you say it's a dark art, like, it's like a negative thing. I don't think, like, I mean, disabilities, I don't think it's a negative thing. It's something that, you know, needs to be mastered somehow. It's, it's you know, fucking incredible, honestly. I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it's, it's definitely not entertaining for the neutrals watching it, you know, if I'm being honest. But the thing right. is, like, uh, what Bordelas said after the game was pretty important. He said, you know, every time we play Barcelona, they have some of the excuse. Because I think Barcelona haven't, like, beaten the Hetafe in, like, last four times or something. And I, I think they've had three draws and one defeat to Hetafe at the Coliseum. So, uh, but for me, what uh, Bordelas said after the game was pretty resonating. He said, you know, Barcelona, they have such a great team, and now they're moaning about like Barcelona, uh, Hetafe playing negative football. When you have a team as good as Barcelona is, you know, selling all your uh, revenue and everything, and to sign players and everything, getting Gundogan and all these players. So I think after that, if you can't even beat a team like Hetafe, I don't really know. You, the 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 least I expect from the manager, you know, it always happens that the worst team goes out and beats the best team, but you know, moaning about it is just like you know, it, it's unsportsmanlike. For Hatafe, they, they're, they're low in resources. We all know that. Uh, they're trying. They're just trying to do the best they can. And I, I understand that, you know, as a fan, if if this happens against Real Madrid, I'll probably be uh, crying about Hatafe as well. But the thing is, like, Hatafe are doing the best with with what they have. So you know, at a at a certain point in time, I, I feel you have to just respect them for you know being able to do that with the players they have. Because if you're um, like you were t- talking about Hatafe uh, against Ajax, a team of Hatafe uh, is you know uh, economic stretcher. They they don't they don't belong in Europe, you know, ordinarily. Sure. But still, somehow sure. they have made it there, and they have made it there because that uh, place had worked for them. Uh, last, you know, after Border last left, they changed managers. They hired a couple of new guys, and look, you know, look where they it got them. They were battling relegation, and at the end of the day, they had to turn to Border last. And while Border last were there, they were challenging for European spots. So I think it's something that's working for them. It brings variety to the league. And, you know, you just take the good that comes with the bad, so. Yeah, I mean, the conversation on Twitter was that um, 
okay, these guys don't have the resources to actually take on a team like Barcelona. Uh, Bordelas actually came out and said, I'm pretty sure he was exaggerating, but then he said that uh, if you take the salary of any one Barcelona player, that's pretty much the salaries put together of all the Getafe starting 11 players. Like, I don't think that's true. I mean, right? I mean that's not an exaggeration, but I think Getafe have a, a annual budget of like 50 to 60 million or something. They don't really have high budget, so. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, not too much of an exaggeration, but then uh, yeah, anyways, uh, people are saying that the only downside is that these guys risk a lot of injuries if they, when they play the style. And that's pretty much the only uh, bad takeaway, I mean, bad part from this that I can take away. Uh, when they do employ such an aggressive style, the opposition team can get injured and whatnot. But I think that's where the referees come in, right? The referees have to clamp down on the aggression. But, but we have seen this, like, you know, Barcelona should be the last team complaining about it. We've seen the kind of tackles that Araujo and Kunde and Gavi were doing on Vinicius when we were playing against them. So I don't really know when you, when you dole it out, you know, when you dish it out, you have to be able to take it. So for me, you know, Barcelona should be mourning about it. But that, then, you know, it is un, it is important that the referees clamp down on, you know, what are bad tackles because I think we've seen this against Vinicius as well in the multiple games, you know, last season. Every time he was away, there was something else going on. So I think referees definitely need to, you know, tackle it. But then Barcelona also have to be careful about what they say because of what their own players do. Yeah, definitely. And talking about the referee, uh, so apparently there was also a thread in Twitter about the fact that we've actually won a lot more matches when the referee was in charge than Barcelona. Like, how was that? Who was the referee? Who was the referee? What is his name? Uh, I, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of these uh, stats around, actually. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bias because, you know, there are some referees who obviously looks like they lean towards Barcelona because when Real Madrid are playing, they, they obviously give nothing away. You know, you have seen all those incidents against Real Madrid, like, you know, that uh, everything is okay, Jose Luis and all that shit that goes around in La Liga. But at the end of the day, the, the, the person responsible for the referees is the CPA, and we all know, what the situation between Barcelona and the CTA and RFPF is. So, you know, Barcelona complaining about referees is like a little bit rich. Yeah. yeah. So the referee was actually photographing. Uh, okay. I think we have had our own like issues with him as well. Uh, although I don't really, you know, it's like for me, it's like, yeah, referee screwed up. You can't really do anything much about it. Just forget about it and move on. So I don't really to keep a track of things but you know <clears throat> some incidents definitely do stand out uh but uh carlos Otograto, i think he's had issues with remember as well so yeah the state of spanish referees man it just seems to keep going down year by year uh, yeah the thing is like you know, when you look at uh, look at things like that uh, you have to see what uh, lali uh, sorry refef is doing and the cpa as a whole is doing you know because uh, they they let go a lot of referees who are actually good in in the game. You know the thing is like uh, Mateo Lajos was somebody who uh, really tried to make the game all about himself. But at the end of the day, he when it came to game management and everything, he was pretty good at it. But you know, for whatever reason, RFP have decided that he was not going to be a referee for them anymore. So things like these happen. So but you know the new referees have to be good. But we can't do anything about it. I think there's a lot of vitriol towards referees as well, so a lot of people don't really want to take up that job anymore. But let's see. I don't know. Like speaking of, you know, like uh, 
referees and institutions and all that. Like, uh, actually, I came across something that I actually didn't notice until later on because obviously I don't use Twitter and all. But like, apparently, La Liga introduced you know this uh, camps that gives you extra. I don't know. Like, for example, I saw the video like of of uh, Ikai Munyan like leading his team before the game against us, and there's this one i find more infamous of you know like diego simeone saying we're gonna attack we're gonna attack we're gonna attack mm. so like i heard like real madrid is the only club actually that's not participating in that like giving inside camera access to 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 you know to the to to i think i don't know if it's because actually that brings me back to you know the the documentary they made when we won the 14th as well you know like there was nothing there like it was there was no footage that we hadn't seen before it was all about the future we had seen that it was you know what people celebrating, we had seen that. Like, there was no, I don't know if you guys had seen, like, what Amazon had done with, uh, you know, All or Nothing, where you see how, you know, Pep was sitting down and doing his stuff or with Arteta or, you know, even with Mourinho. And uh, they were very detailed and, you know, like, behind the scenes footage. Like, do you guys think, or, like, is there a reason why Real Madrid, like, is, obviously, I know there's the issue with the whole, you know, uh, image rights or media rights thing with, you know, uh, La Liga last season. I don't know, like, is there a reason for that? Or, like, are we just not willing to let the fans in to see actually what's going on? Uh, just to clarify, okay, I just want to ask something. When you're talking about the documentary about the 14th, which one are you talking about? The one on Apple or the... Yeah, the Apple TV one. Okay, so Remedy actually had another documentary that they released on RMTV. Uh, that one actually went a lot into behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, it was... Okay, they still didn't discuss tactics and everything, but... You know, I also watched that as well. I watched that as well, but like there is nothing for me to see that is I don't know, like I don't know. I just felt like I don't know, maybe because uh the the I have seen the all or nothing one, maybe that's why I expected to see much more, you know, in depth into see the stuff. But comparing the three ones I just mentioned right now, like ours like seems like child's play compared to that. Yeah, definitely. I do agree with you there. The fact that uh Ramatridan going into that detail. Because I think uh, there's a restriction to access to dressing rooms that the club feels that they should be. I think even the players are uncomfortable about, you know, getting too much. I think uh, Unai Simon had an interview like uh, this week where he pointed out that the players weren't comfortable with the cameras coming into dressing rooms and everything. He said the dressing room was like, you know, a, san- a sanctuary for them and everything. So mm, I think you raised an important point about why Real Madrid is like nego- uh, is always against these changes. I don't think it's about necessarily about not giving uh, uh, fans access. I think it's more to do with the fact that you, we have to understand that this whole scenario extends, uh, stems from the fact that Ramadan do not want La Liga to be controlling their TV rights. Uh, in 2016, La Liga decided that everybody is going to be, uh, uh, you know, La Liga as a whole is going to be selling, doing a collective thing for their TV rights. Before that, it wasn't, and Premier League has always done that. But La Liga didn't do it. Uh, clubs were selling their TV rights individually. And I think Real Madrid was a club that didn't want to do that because, you know, uh, we get a lot of money. Our yeah. games are valuable. Doing a collective argument makes it so that other teams get a lot more money, but it comes at the expense of us. And I think Florentino Perez is somebody who really doesn't really like when Real Madrid are losing something. So I think the opposition stems from the fact that Real Madrid do not want to share their revenue. They want more. They want to increase their revenue and losing this aspect of the revenue doesn't really help them. I think just today there was a uh, an article in the Spanish media about there being another court case between Real Madrid and uh, La Liga over this revenue stuff because I think La Liga want to hold back a certain percentage of uh, TV revenue and use it to improve their presentation and everything. And Real Madrid don't really like that because they, they think that they are going to lose out on revenue because of this. So I think uh, 
all of this stems from the fact that Ramadi do not really want La Liga controlling the revenue. On the flip side, like uh, I've seen this being employed in the NHL at least. Like you can see all of that half game uh, team talks, maybe some of the tactical ins and outs as well. Uh, but the thing to remember is that this is not exactly a spy camp. They're not going to like illegally follow you around. Uh, it's just a matter of there being like a public uh, stream which which the players can actually control. Like you can actually say, hey, like we don't want you to film this. We want you to film this. So they can give the outlook that they want. And the thing is that this adds a lot of extra value to the viewers. Uh, like, of course, I want to see Vinicius and Rodrigo talking at halftime, but uh, only on their terms. I, I think that's the thing of the matter is like you want to talk, uh, see Vinicius and Rodrigo talking, but they're not going to be talking like how they normally you know, interact with each other when a camera is in their face. But even leaving that aside, I don't think Real Madrid's opposition is just because they want to protect players' privacy. It has more to do with the fact that, uh, you know, they feel that letting other somebody else monetize this is them losing money. So I think that that's the issue over here. Mm. Well, yeah, uh, it remains to be seen. So since we have opposed it, like uh, they're not gonna they're gonna bring the camera to all of the other opponents and just not for us. I, I think the last time Ramadan didn't actually send any players to uh, interact with media at after the game. It was only they, they only spoke through RNTV. So I guess there's something that's going on between us and La Liga again. Uh, we'll see how it goes. It's always something, isn't it? Yeah, so, and I think uh, the, the decision on the Super League is also due in September. So it's always something. Yeah, in fact, yep. uh, I, I saw news part of videocast. Uh, it actually said that uh, the Super League project is not dead. The teams haven't actually exited on paper. They've just publicly renounced the league, but then they're still active in case like something mm -hmm. springs up. Oh. Yeah, that? man, I came across that as well. And I don't know how true it is or how false it is. I can't remember where I saw it from, but I don't know how reliable, I don't know how reliable, you know, the, the source is. But I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, I mean, right now we see what's, what's, what's currently going on with the Premier League. It's mutually a Super League on its own. And then, you know, we have uh, what's brewing in the Middle East as well with Saudi Arabia. You don't know where it's going to go. And honestly, that's the thing. You look at a club like Real Madrid right now, like, you know, what you can do is you can only get the striker on loan because you're waiting to get a superstar like, uh, you know, uh, like Jose Lu. And then you sit down on the other hand and you look at, you know, uh, Chelsea is literally buying, you know, three midfielders for 300 million euros you know like literally these are all players that I'm, i mean if i'm not mistaken like uh, enzo played one year at benfica or even less than that you know caicedo's played 18 months at, at at you know at brighton and we have lavia who god like he just came from the you know ctu academy just i know i can remember that not long ago you know like and all three of them combined for almost 300 million and you know that's not something that and this is all in the space of six months by the way let's you know let's let's not forget that you know and, you know, on the other hand, you look at our midfield, like we built a midfield across five years and, you know, it's only on Jude Bellingham that we've spent, you know, more than a hundred. So like that tells you that, okay, although, yeah, you still can attract the talented players, you know, like the, the room for spending is so less. So whether you like it or not, like, you know, right now there is a Super League that's already existing and I can understand why it's yeah, I think you know, still enticing for a team like Creole Ambassador to pursue this because you lost me. Uh, in between, we lost a couple of words, but yeah. Oh, okay. Anyways, yeah, I think like, you know, this honestly, like when you look at it from a different perspective, like if the super, you know, league can, you know, 
It's only yeah, the structure itself I believe it's, it's, it's something valid and that's just the future of 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 I, I think we can sum up Farouk's um sentiment in the fact that he thinks that England is already dominating financially and there's a big threat of you know Saudi coming in and dominating the football world as well. I, I think that's a pretty valid argument for everybody who's not a Premier League fan. Uh, but I, I just to uh, refer to what you were talking about, you know, originally, I think uh, the Super League had this uh, structure wherein all 12 teams signed a contract whereby if they wanted to leave, they had to pay money. Uh, the, the rumor stems from the fact that except one team, nobody has actually paid the money to uh, leave the leave the whole thing. I think only Inter Milan is the team that's actually initiated the proceedings to, uh, you know, properly leave the Super League thing. But uh, I'm not 100% sure about what the situation is there. But the rumor is that nobody's actually, you know, left, left. So that's how it is. But I think in spirit, everybody is almost out, like, apart from Real Madrid and Barcelona, because I think even Juventus have some, somewhat started the proceedings to leave. They had this whole deal with UEFA where they were taking a punishment for a year, you know, dropping out of European competitions. And so we'll see what happens there. Next, next season, we expect... Uh, you know, a judgment from the European courts. For me, the biggest worry is like what, what UEFA do if the decision comes in their favor, because uh, I think uh, the advice that the courts got was in favor of UEFA, where they wanted they wanted to say that UEFA has the authority to, you know, organize and do the whole thing, which the clubs were, you know, uh, opposing. So I think it could be bad if, uh, you know, UEFA wins the case for Real Madrid and Barcelona. I think it more it will be the worst part of Real Madrid because UEFA seems to really have it out for Florentino right now. Yeah, man. And on top of this, I saw uh, I saw some hysteria uh, that um, the Saudi league would actually pour over here and then people would actually create a Super League along with some of the Saudi teams uh, and create I've a Super, super League of their own. I have seen that sentiment as well where people are talking about, you know, uh, the big clubs joining with Saudi clubs and you know making a twenty-team Super League or something, but we'll see what happens. The, the actually, uh, from, from I don't know. League. Like uh, I saw earlier today, actually, you know, speaking about this, that something resonates to me more in the sense that, like, I saw like you know, uh, Combo Ball actually invited. I don't know how true it is, but I read that Combo Ball invited you know Messi and uh, what's the name of their club? Concacaf. Uh, Miami, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you know. Sorry, it's CONCACAF, not CONMEBOL? CONMEBOL is the South American thing. CONCACAF is the North American thing. There, There is rumor that they're going to work together to make a combo. That's the thing. Like, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I think the rumor is What that... I read is this, actually, that CONMEBOL itself, it's actually inviting Messi to play in the Copa Libertadores. I yeah, told you, see, by Messi extended, they're inviting Miami as well. I, I think the thing is, uh, the from what I have understood, maybe I'm wrong because I haven't really gone into details, it's like... Conmebol is going to initiate discussions with CONCACAF, whereby uh, the CONCACAF, the North American clubs will be open to joining into Copa Libertadores. That used to happen mm. before, but doesn't happen anymore. So. I see. Actually, I was thinking maybe, you know, rather than, you know, the Super League, maybe like with time as well, we don't know, you know, because the thing is that money has a lot of, you know... Uh... There's also been rumors in Italy, you know, Farouk, you probably know this because you were recently in Italy and I'm sure you made a lot of journalist friends and everything, but... Uh, but there were rumors from Italy that Saudi Arabia is talking to UEFA about, you know, potentially allowing Saudi teams into the Champions League. So exactly, that's where I was going to go. Like, you know, this is, it, I mean, that's that's something that honestly, like, seems so far out of the realm right now. But, you know, when money talks, anything can happen. So, you know, 
I know that every, every, you know, everyone is, has a certain morals, but unfortunately, all of those morals has a price. So I, I mean, know that, you know. We've already seen with the with golf stuff that, you know, if you fight against the Saudi, there's only one winner. Yep, exactly. So I exactly. think the, the UEFA probably reads the writing on the wall. But, you know, for me personally, I don't really like this fact that, you know, in a comp in a continental competition, you're getting teams from other other comp you know other continents. Oh, really? Wait till they start playing Champions League finals in the US, then. I mean, I mean, the thing is, like, you know, if you play, if you have a club from Saudi Arabia playing in, uh, you know, a UEFA Champions League, it doesn't really sit right with me. I would rather have them win the, you know, I would rather have them organize an intercontinental championship for clubs. Like, I think FIFA already has something in the works over there with yeah. the club World Cup. So something like that would be more appealing to me over, you know, having Real Madrid go and play Ali Tihad away, traveling all that distance, you know, in within the midweek. So I don't know what it's like. That's that's actually very true. But I think like from 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 I think from Madrid to like Riyadh, is it that far? I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> imagine if you know uh, a team in London has to travel all the way to Saudi Arabia just to play an away fixture. Yeah, I think that that does that that you know that's a bit difficult. I mean, like I mean, eventually the only the problem you will start having is you know when you start having to travel to South and North America. I think that's even much more crazy. And I actually do think like rather than Saudi Arabia and all that, I think like moving traveling to the US is gonna be a more reality because the point is right now, like there is a boom of football in the US right now, you know, even with the craze of Messi, we've seen that as well. So UFR might want to tap into that market. And I don't know, I even think La Liga might want to tap in because it will feel like the best way to close the mark the gap between them and England, you know, might be to, you know, uh take a couple I mean, of La Liga games here and already yeah. tapping into the Saudi stuff, right? Atleti, exactly. Exactly. Atleti, Atleti exactly. have an agreement a sponsorship from Riyadh Air That's a, that hasn't actually flown a single airline, and, <laughs> then, and then you have uh, La Liga, you know, sponsoring with uh, getting sponsorship from Rigid Saudi, you know, Saudi government. I mean, we have the Super Cup in Saudi Arabia as well, so like that's you know even that's that's you know even more a uh, more glaring. I, I think the difference lies in the fact that uh, Super Cup is organized by the Spanish Federation. La Liga, hmm, okay. Javier Tebas till now was really against uh, all this Middle East involvement in football and everything. So right now it has changed because now he, there was some statement from uh, Javier Tebas like a couple of uh, years ago where he was like really going deep into uh, Middle East involvement in football and everything. But right now he's signing an agreement to you know <laughs> to get a sponsorship deal from Saudi Arabia. So that, that that's pretty ironic. Everyone has a price, my friend. I tell you, everyone has a price. You just haven't met the right person yet, you know. And that's the thing, you know, like, it just goes back to, you know, what you said, like, before we go away. I mean, I've met you, so I've definitely met the right person. No, it's all <laughs> getting the money. <laughs> I mean, I will, I will not comment on that so people cannot use it against me later, you know, when, when, when BN Sport from Qatar decides to pay me, you know, I'll be like, okay, yeah, who are these guys? I never met them before. I don't know them, you know, so... <laughs> Let that be on the record. But anyways, you know, I just wanted to go back to, you know, like what you were saying before, more like before we went online about the fact that, you know, how much, uh, uh, you know, sports meant in Europe, you know, like the point that in Europe, it was not, it was more of a religion or a culture, like in the US where it's just, you know, more of a capitalist source of, you know, entertainment for the people. And I feel like, I feel that's, you know, where even European sports are moving this is because we see football as well now. It's it's more of you know capitalism, like who gets the most money, who you know, how can I aim and maximize the money? And you know, we play more games and stuff like that, and no one really cares about anything. So that's the thing, you know. Eventually, like where are they gonna draw the line? Like football is losing that value, you know. Okay, 
for me personally, it never had that value. But I mean, when you see like the what football traditionally meant, you know, you go back to teams like, you know, Leverkusen, you know, teams like Dortmund, teams like Schalke, like teams that were like workers club, you know, and you see right now that, you know, like the way everything is moving, it's just moving towards a more capitalist environment where like, it's just, you know, uh, big fish, it's small fish and, you know, it just keeps going on and on. And it's, 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 it's really, really damaging for the sports, you know. I don't know what your guys' opinion are on that. I think the only way European clubs, you know, clubs outside of England will sur- uh, survive is if they make a Super League. I think that's pretty honest. Let's be honest, because England has a product that's pretty much unrivaled. Yeah. Uh, so the leagues outside of your outside of England have struggled to replicate that model. Although I think Bundesliga has done a good job, but you know their revenues still don't really match up. La Liga is has the fastest growing revenues, TV revenues in the world, but even their product is like pretty shitty when you look at teams like you know uh, there was this game I, I think it was Valencia or Sevilla last week where if if you watch the game you probably tear your eyes out. That's how <laughs> I and well, like Sevilla isn't a really regular relegation team or something like that, so you know you expect a little bit better from them. Although Valencia is probably a relegation team, but you know. You get my point. The thing is, like, we don't really have a good product to get a good pro- to get fans and to get. You have to put a decent product out right now because you know, as you said, it's a capitalist game right now. So the cl- the bigger clubs in Europe inevitably would have to you know coalesce and maybe form a super league. I don't know if it involves Saudi clubs as well. You know, we'll be playing. <laughs> we'll be saying Al Ittihad versus Real Madrid with Benzema, the Benzema derby. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Man, but the fact of the matter is. These uh, La Liga teams, like, just look at this transfer window. Um, in terms of, like, La Liga transfers in coming and outgoing, there's been some moment in between the clubs. Uh, some low-key low players have moved across clubs, but then nothing has actually happened. And you look at England, and fucking hell, they have, like, 20x or 30x the amount of money spent uh, in transfers uh, compared to, like, the small clubs uh, of uh, La Liga. So I feel like La Liga right now, it's like a last bastion to what Farouk said, the sentiment that football is part of the culture and not just uh, the money. Of course, if when La Liga teams do see the money, if there is an injection of Saudi money, like they're going to definitely take it. But right now, I I'll feel be, like I'll be honest like, with you. I think there's a lot, lot more community involvement in England in football than it is in Spain. Because I think in Spain, there's like you support your hometown club, but then you also have to support one of Real Madrid and Barcelona. That's the impression I have because I think a lot of people have their hometown club, but then they also support Real Madrid and Barcelona. And the fact of the matter is, with the growth of Premier League, a lot of people are actually, you know, gravitating towards that as well. So I think the interest in in La Liga teams in Spain itself is going down. Uh, people, uh, I think even the broadcasters there are, are seeing, you know, viewership numbers struggle a little bit. They're not getting uh, a return on, on their investment. And I, I have heard, I'm not sure how true this is. But there's been like, you know, there might be a decrease in revenue for TV rights in Spain itself. So I don't know how, where it goes. Oh, wow. Didn't you just say a little bit before that uh, we was having the Overall, overall. Game? Overall, okay. La Liga has a lot of growth. But, you know, we'll see what happens. In, like, La Liga has seen a lot of growth in international revenue, especially in the U.S. where they, they made this deal with ESPN. So we'll see how it goes. Let's see, man. Let's see. Uh, so we touched upon the borderless game, uh, and we did before... more than touch upon the borderless thing. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 
we touched upon everything under the sun in terms of la liga and football but yeah, let's <laughs> uh before we like head into uh, the arivas and like you know, previewing, previewing our lineups uh, let's talk a bit about the sevilla game so i know you guys didn't catch it but then the main takeaway from the game was uh, haland had another quiet game it's a big game apparently uh, that was game. the only takeaway i had from the game is like eight games haland has scored uh and this man city team uh, looks a lot weaker than the man city of last year they've lost uh, de bruyne uh, they lost uh, gundogan and uh, this these players can't really clear uh, this midfield that they have right now they can't really create chances in these big bigger sort of games uh, when teams do defend a lot more better uh, so i think Far- yeah. farouk can give a lot, lot more background on this because you know he's a regular premier league watcher but for me personally i'll just say this you know you should not underestimate city because i think like real madrid of old years they might start slow but towards the end of the season they'll be on top form and i think they will be the team to beat in europe this season again i mean definitely i totally back what mo said and let's not forget this as well you know last season as well we always, we also had this you know thing about city like oh are they gonna are they not gonna are they gonna are they not gonna you know so like and then we saw towards the end of the season i think they went 22 matches on beating something like that i can't recall the exact number and you know they just blew everyone out of the water and let's not just you know as at least we we saw it firsthand you know at the game at the and how you know effective they can be and i totally agree with you know jacob's sentiment about you know uh the loss of the likes of ilkay and you know uh kdb at least for some months and i think the point about de bruyne is the fact that he's out for three months I, around three months approximately so the point is when you add three months to the season you know like that's where business actually starts happening you know and i actually think you know uh his comeback will, will be quite effective for his team and let's not forget that the transfer market is not closed yet you know even before like the news of the Bruyne's injury came like you know uh we were told that they are in for Lucas Paqueta from West Ham you know although like obviously you know West Ham is asking for outrageous amount of money but I mean most likely if they close that deal that's you know Paqueta is a, is a fantastic uh midfielder I think it's going to be a good addition to them but honestly like you know the Haaland going eight games not scoring goals I think it doesn't really matter the point is he needs to show up when his teammates doesn't show up and at least for now they are showing up so he just needs to you know because the point is eventually i personally believe that it's not the big games that win your titles if you lose against real madrid and Bar- if you lose against barcelona twice lose against atletico twice and win all your other games you're, ch- you're a champion you know so that's the thing like it's not those games that wins you the title it's you know those cv games that you need to get you know i haven't seen the Sevilla game so i don't know how bad he performed you know in super Copa there but the point is when people start to make about you know oh this is his heat map oh he had four touches he had this i told them i watched a game against crystal palace last year Haaland had four touches two goals one assist from four touches wait did he come so on don't sub or, sub or just like, no did he, start he had four touches he had Jesus. four touches in the first half and he had two goals and one assist so don't come and tell me that oh because he has two touches one touch seven touch ten touch like that doesn't really matter you understand honestly it doesn't and as more rightly summed it up like you know like it's too early to start you know writing CTO for like you know claiming that this is this or this is that like honestly like you know we just have to wait to see how they build up and that's the thing with pep actually pep has really evolved in the fact that his team evolved across time because normally you know we always see pep team you know jumping out of the gate you know since the first day of the season but for the past two and a half years at least from what i've seen from cities like the bit by bit like real madrid honestly similar to real madrid they go into their groove bit by bit you understand so i wouldn't you know count that past them and also let's not forget about the contractual issue they had as well you know bernardo silva 
you know, even Kyle Walker as well, you know, although both of them, are, you know, are going to put, uh, extend their contract right now. So, you know, that's also uncertainty makes, you know, about a lot of things. And that's Gaviota also joins, joined the team as well. So I think City will even be better than we saw last year because Haaland has had a year to, you know, settle down in the team. And this is the year I think that Julian Alvarez is going to explode. So I'm just, you know, as Mo said, like, I think City remains the team to beat in Europe. I, I just like to point out two things uh, before you know I give it over to Jacob. First, I think there was this rumor today in Spain about uh, City potentially mm-hmm. targeting Dani Olmo. So we'll see yep. what happens there. And the second thing is like Farouk, I, I disagree with you on the fact when you said that you know you don't really need big players for big like you know you're talking. I think I think that the the aspect that you touched upon would work for the league, but it doesn't really work for uh, knockout competitions. And I think Champions League is the biggest competition. So for me, the way I see it, you need big game players for those games. When you have a player like Haaland, you really expect him to perform in that. But but the I point think, is this. The no, point no, no, let, me, let me just finish. Let me just finish. For me, the issue isn't the fact that Haaland isn't scoring games. We, when we are looking at, at it that way, we will minimize his uh, you know, uh, contributions. But you have to understand that the mere presence of Haaland is distracting uh, defenders from other players. And he helps other players perform better. You know, even if Haaland isn't scoring, like, you know, if, even if Haaland didn't score a single goal against us and didn't get an assist, he was a factor in those games, you know, because his play allowed others to exploit those spaces, to score those goals and, you know, to distract uh, attention from the players like Kevin De Bruyne and, you know, Bernardo Silva and Gundogan and help them improve the game. The thing about City is, like, they don't really need Haaland to be dropping deep and, you know, associating with others and, you know, creating opportunities because City have players who can do that and all they need for him is to be in the right spaces and score goals. If a club like Real Madrid, obviously, the, with the defenders we have, we probably have a better defense, and we will be able to stop others from getting ball to him. But the consequence of that is like it's going to open up spaces for others to exploit, and we saw that happen at the Etihad. So for me, that's that's how I look at it. Yeah, I think actually, yeah, uh, I I guess that was what I was going to get into more as well. The, what, what I meant by you don't need Haaland to perform in those matches in the sense that they are all the match winners in the game. We are, as you mentioned, exactly, I was going to give an example of the Real Madrid game. Like, we saw Haaland didn't score against Real Madrid, but his mere presence there, you understand, allowed for all the match winners to perform, you know, on the night. So that's the thing, like, City is a team full of match winners, you know, whether, you know, they lose players here and there, like, there's always been a squad depth that, you know, City has built for the past four or five years and that they're reaping the reward, the reward right now. So what I'm just trying to say is that, like, you know, they don't need Haaland to score in every semi-final for them to win the matches, no. Even if he doesn't score, you know, him being there when others are down, I think that's what matters the most. And that's, you know, one of the bigger things that actually we saw with City last year was the ability that, you know, when players went, you know, out of the team, you know, like when, when they were unable to score and stuff like that, you know, Alan could come in and, you know, get three, four goals here and there and stuff like that. So I think that's the thing, like City is a team full of match winners. So even if Alan doesn't score the goal, as you said, more like his mere presence is enough, you know, to cause a lot of disruption for the defenders and eventually, you know, uh, creates uh, a chance for for other of his, you know, world class teammates as well. Yeah, guys, uh, I'm just going to read out a comment from Hassan. So he says, uh, "City's attacking depth, Loki stinks. There's only one attacking option off the bench, and he's Alvarez." Is that true? Uh... But the point is, let's not forget. Like as I mentioned, this, the, the the market is not closed. You know, they're in for Olisi from Crystal Palace. You know, we talk about Lucas Paqueta. You know, uh, Farouk more... renewed with Crystal Palace. Yeah, I know Olisi renewed, but I, I I'm not so you know sure about what that is because the point. I is... think he's he's not gonna leave this window. Next window, maybe. 
because you know about this things about you know some players being loyal to clubs and they want to make them get more money and stuff like that you know because the thing i don't know how it went eventually but the only thing is a bit for, i'll just because you know we're just dealing with this so i'll just think put my perspective what i think happened is like uh, olise wanted to go to chelsea and chelsea kind of tapped him up and crystal palace threatened chelsea to that they, they would take them to you know whatever tribunal or whatever stuff that yeah, is yeah 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 so what that. happens in these situations is whenever a player gets uh, the home club rejects a move for a player towards like a, a different club and a player really wanted to do this what happens in these scenarios is usually the player if he stays he signs a new contract because you know you, do you remember when there was the city kane and city thing when um, uh, tottenham refused to sell uh, kane to city and when the window ended Kane's agents went to Tottenham expecting a new contract and Tottenham said hey, we won't give you a new contract. So usually in situations like this, this is something that happens but I think when this is happening it is with the understand implicit understanding that down the line they're going to sell him. So for for the, the way I see it I may be wrong but the way I see it is I don't really expect Olise to move in this window. Next window probably. And that, that's that's a very valid point actually and let's not forget you know Olise also came from QPR so it's he's a London boy so that's you know the appeal for Chelsea as well. Well, I was just throwing out names there, you know, like we talk about Danny Olmo, you know, I mentioned Lucas Paquetta before. So, you know, I think City are not done because obviously they're not stupid to know that, you know, the, the loss of Riyad Mahrez, obviously they're going to feel it. So they have to replace Riyad Mahrez one way or another, you know. So that's the thing. And let's not forget about, you know, they're going to bring Calvin Phillips into the into the free this year as well. Last year he was totally a non-factor as well, you know. And this is something we've seen with, with, with Pep players. They're usually slow adapters, especially midfielders. So... And I said, like you know, it's 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 looking much more interesting, honestly, this year. I think they, they already have like five players, right? Foden, uh, Grealish, Haaland, Alvarez, and Bernardo Silva playing in the attack. I don't really see it as you know depth stinking in that sense. But I think uh, yeah, they have lost a lot of quality players, especially you know De Bruyne leaping and uh, De Bruyne getting injured. Sorry, De Bruyne getting injured and Gundogan leaving. So. I, but then they have Borden Kovacic. Maybe he's not one is to one replacement for Gundogan, but he's gonna bring his own, you know, flair to the game. Uh, and we'll see who else they sign. You know, if they sign Danny Olmo and Lucas Paqueta, is, is totally going to change. And then you have to, we have to see that they have strengthened in defense with Guardiola as well. So, and then they have some interesting academy players as well. I think Big Steve, when he was here the first time, he was talking about Cole Palmer. Yeah, Palmer someone, is someone to yeah, watch out for. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, and you know, against Sevilla, I, I've heard he did, he did well. So we'll see how he does this season. And I think we haven't seen that explosion from Phil Foden yet, like that. You know, everyone is expecting. So I think you know, this departure of Kevin De Bruyne might give him a chance. You know, because uh, he's always you know claimed that he's more of a midfielder than an attacker. And you know, mostly like Pep has always played him as a wide winger. So you know, we never can tell how how you know maybe this this gives him an opportunity to you know show his best and maybe eventually explode. Who knows? Yeah, man. Uh, I initially I thought, okay, this Man City is not really as strong as the one from last year. But then just listening to you guys have totally convinced me that we're gonna face them again in the Champions League, and it's not. It might not look pretty. Bro, good. as Mo said, City is a team to beat. If anyone thinks otherwise, I think we are watching different sports. Okay, now. All right. Uh, speaking about depth and the lack thereof in Madrid. Uh, <laughs> Before we like get into those strike, uh, I, I I disagree. I disagree with this assertion that Ramri don't have depth. Ramri don't have depth in the attack. 
Actually, they do have a lot of players, but they lack depth in the key area. Actually, they don't lack depth. We lack a starter in the key area. That's the thing. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I, I think in uh, in defense, we, we have adequate cover. <laughs> the fact is that our players just keep getting injured. And in midfield, we have like seven midfielders. I don't really know what more depth we want. These injuries to Militao and Kibo are unfortunate, but you really can't plan against it because, you know, otherwise you'd be signing like 20 players for uh, to play central back. Right, man. Uh, and I saw the discussion on Reddit. Uh, you were saying that Marvel was actually going to step up into the first team uh, and we're not going to sign any more centre-backs. No, no. We, uh, I don't... Like, let me just clarify. I don't think Marvel is going to be a regular first teamer. What I think is going to happen is going to be training with the first team and he's occasionally going to get call-ups as needed, but otherwise he's probably going to be playing with Castilla. As for not signing centre-backs, yeah, Ramirez definitely is not signing a centre-back. We already, I think we went to the season with four centre-backs. One of them got injured, so the club will trust like Nacho to step in as needed. So I think that's what will happen. And Marvel, if things go bad, uh, if things definitely go do go south and, you know, things don't work out, the January window is always there. Although Ramirez usually don't sign any player in the January window. But if uh, things go worse, yeah, you could expect a signing in the January window. And then you also have to keep in mind that we only have one spot left in the squad. We mm-hmm. already have 24 players. Damn, so we did not get rid of Odrio Zola. Who, who else is like dead weight in the team? That we just I think it's, it's just Odrio Zola who's, who could potentially leave. But uh, Real Madrid won $6 million for him to go to La Real. La Real don't, don't really want to pay that and want him to come on a free. So... Mm. You know, you know, guys, one thing actually surprises me is this. I Maybe I kind of, like, doubt myself is whenever I see someone is like, okay, like, Marvel is going to be the fourth centre-back choice for Real Madrid. And I fold my arms and be like, have we been watching this in Carlo and Salotti? Like, in my mind, I'm thinking Vinicius is going to be a centre-back before Marvel comes in. Like, am I, you know, like, I kind of... That was, like, like, okay, that was like, actually the point I made in, on Reddit as well. I mean, I'm also thinking, he, like... He's going to play Chouameni and Kawing as centre-back before he brings in... Uh, no, I'm saying to you, Vinicius is gonna be a CB before this guy comes in. Like, I, then I kind of think like, okay, like, am I like over like reacting or like you know I'm just exaggerating stuff? Like, I mean, come on, guys, like we've seen this person, we know who he is. Do you think he's gonna play this guy? I don't know, you know. But even we had this argument with you know Sunil last year, like Arribas is gonna play. I was like, bro, chill. This is the person we know. He's not gonna play this guy. I, th- I think there are actually four players from Castilla who have a chance of getting some minutes with the first team this season. Alvaro, Mario Martin, Marvel, and Nico Paz. But uh, if they're lucky, I think that would probably happen in Copa del Rey. It's not I think Alvaro, in... Alvaro is a very good shout move. I don't know, you know, why uh, the club is not, you know, trying just to push him in. I think, like, he will be a very good one because the point is there is literally a lack of players there. Like, even bodies matter. I mean, you, you see, the way I look at it, Alvaro is like an inferior version of Jose Lu, what Jose Lu currently gets. <laughs> Alvaro probably maybe has more potential the way you look at it, although I do fail to see it. For me, uh, I think Jose Lu doesn't get a game. Our starters, starting strikers are Vinicius and Rodrigo for the foreseeable future, unless something you know amazing happens. But well, the thing is, like Vinicius and uh, Rodrigo are going to be starting. So when you need somebody to change the games, it's going to be uh, Jose Lu. And so Alvaro doesn't really fit in from the way I see it, you know. Because he doesn't really get a chance. So what I think the club wants to do with him is really focus him on Castilla. I was actually reading a news today from Relevo and they were claiming that uh, Alaves had inquired about Alvaro. But the club said no and they really want him to focus on Castilla this season. So that's what I think will happen. Because, you know, if he was in the first team plans, like with a 
with a major role, I think he would have gone to the uh, the tour of North mm-hmm. America. He didn't go yeah. there, so I don't really think he he's that big a factor. I think it's Nico Paz, and I, I I've heard that if Mario Martin had been fit, he would probably have gone to. But you know, that's the way things is. So. Yeah. And that's it saying, uh, God, I hope the fourth center back is not Harry Maguire that's coming because he will be cheap, but and the only good and Ashik says that the only good thing is that he'll be cheap and we'll have someone to blame for our fuck ups when we do have them. I mean we do have Kepa, so so you have Kepa? <laughs> that's a smooth transition into Kepa man. Like uh, what do you guys think? Uh, we asked a lot of Metal fans in our latest shots video and uh our, and the video that Sid put out. So the general consensus was people don't really trust Kepa, but he's the best we have right now. So he's going to immediately start over Lonin. Is that uh, your feeling as well? No, for me, I think uh, next game is going to be Lunin. The game after that, we could see uh, Kepa start. That's what I've read actually from rumors that uh, they feel that it's going to be a little bit too early for Kepa to immediately start because he's just come in and, you know, he's, he hasn't had that many, you know. But the thing for me is like, I think uh, there's an issue between Ancelotti and Lunin whereby Ancelotti doesn't really trust uh, uh, Lunin. If you guys remember, there was this game against... Uh, I'm sure you guys remember. There was this game against Hirona last season where Tati Castellano scored like four against us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you more is asking casually. I, I don't know if you guys remember. Like, if there's anything, that's the only team we remember. <laughs> so the thing is, like, uh, after that, that game, uh, they felt... The coaching team felt that Lunin's performance was horrendous. And uh, they said that they fe- I think there was an article in the Athletic. Uh, the writer was Mario Cortegana, and he said that the club thinks that he does not really understand what they're trying, uh, th- what they're asking him to do. So not the club, the coaching staff. So they don't really trust him. So there's this lack of trust. So you know they don't really want to play Lunin. You know they think he doesn't really learn from his mistakes and everything. But then on the counter side, on the flip side, you have to, uh, the thing is like Lunin's biggest supporter at Real Madrid is Florentino Perez. So when you have Florentino Perez at your back, things can happen. That's true, man. Uh, so I, I personally, like, I, I wish we gave more of a chance, not just one game to Lunin. Maybe when he fucks up, then we have Kepa step in. But then for the time being, I would have Lunin start for most of the games. I think uh, Kepa has been brought in to be number one. The biggest reason why Kepa is here because the coaching staff trusts him, uh, especially the goalkeeping coach is uh, Luis Lopez. And he worked with him at Athletic Club when he was like 15, 16 or whatever. So I think he was the one who wanted uh, Kepa to come in. So I think that's uh, what will happen. I, I I think it's the position is Kepa's tools for me, for the way I see it. So if he doesn't start uh, over the weekend, uh, which I don't expect him to, but you know, surprises can always happen. Uh, I think he'll be starting from match day three. For me, the biggest issue with Kepa is, you know, he, he doesn't really know how to deal with crosses and, you know, Sometimes he does funny mistakes where he loses concentration and everything. Yeah, man, but you can't like fault his uh, love for the club. So he had a lot of good things to say in the presentation. He seemed very humble. Uh, so I'll tell you an interesting anecdote about Kepa. Uh, when I think it was in January 2018, we had a deal agreed to sign Kepa for like his release clause. Yep. He yep. even had his medical with Real Madrid. He was in Madrid, but Zidane blocked the move. Yeah. I think that really pissed Kepa off and then he went back home and renegotiated his contract with Athletic Club and they put in an 80 million release clause after that. 
So I, I think uh, when you say, yeah, he, 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 he wanted to come here, I think that's true. He definitely wanted to be at Real Madrid. And we all saw that from his, uh, his interviews and everything. So we'll see how he does. You know, I think that's definitely going to be a motivation for him to do well. Exactly. Uh, so at that point, was Navas the keeper? Uh, yeah, Navas the starting keeper. Mm. I think uh, Zidane didn't really want a keeper in this uh, in the winter. Actually, there's a lot of uh, people in the board who wanted Kepa to come in, and that was like one of the windows when they decided that they're not going to be backing managers too much when it comes to transfers because they feel like you know managers get players and then they leave. So you know, at the end of the day, it's Real Madrid and the board who has to deal with the players that they are here. So they want players that they trust to be at the team. Yeah, yeah. Hassan says if Kepa cooks the season, is that a world where uh, he stays and Lunin actually gets sold next season? Lunin's uh, contract ends in twenty-four, so we'll see what happens there. You think we're gonna allow him to leave on a free? Uh, I feel like we could easily get twenty, thirty million out of him if he do. Twenty, uh, thirty million after for Lunin? Yeah, man. I, he's young. Like, there's not a lot of. Jacob, young, I, I young want keepers. to live in the world you live in. <laughs> You're not getting 20, 30 million for Lunin. I'm sorry. If if there was a demand for Lunin, he would be already gone. The thing is, like his father has been wanting him to leave Remedy for a long time because he thinks that his son deserves better. He deserves to start, not in front of Courtois, but he thinks there will be some team in the world that will uh, start him. There has been no offer. That is why he's at Remedy still now. And Farouk, another player uh, that we actually had on our goalkeeper wish list was uh, Yasin Bono. So, is the deal to Al Hilal completed? Is he already an Al Hilal player? Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I heard like there was an agreement between himself and Al Hilal, and I mean that would make a lot of sense in the sense that you know uh, he has an issue, I think, with with uh, the manager at Sevilla, and like because of that, even though I think he was relegated to the bench in last uh, the second half of the, in last year, although you know. He had a fantastic World Cup and what is and what is not. So, I mean, considering also like he's 32, although for goalkeepers, you know, that's their peak years. And, you know, considering that where he's from as well, he's Arabic. I think that well makes a lot of sense, you know, to join Alilal and, you know, prepare for the AFCON in January as well. So, I mean, I found it very offensive, you know, what Real Madrid was asking of him to, you know, like, obviously I understand from a perspective of a fan, but, you know, I mean, personally, I find it quite offensive that you're, you know, kind of trying to make a clause of, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're not going to go to AFCON for a month and something like that. I mean, Come on, I mean that's that's like one of the greatest things, like that you know, uh, you uh, a person. Farouk, can I think that's a rumor. That's not club. true. That's a rumor. That's not. True. I mean, whatever it is, if it's a rumor, whatever, like you know, like I mean, asking someone for that is unfair, you know, like. But let's uh, hope it's a rumor. You understand, but the thing is, that I've come to understand that you know, with football these days, like anything and everything is possible. I mean, we see we are seeing what's happening with Manchester United, you know, so anything and everything is possible. So you know, that's just the thing. But yeah, I mean. Bono would have been a good shout because I, if you can remember, remember Jacob, like we, we never had Kepa in our top three this, you know, it was the year, it was uh, Bono and it was a total Navas, you know, Kelo yes. Navas. And all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's Kepa the keeper, you know, but it is what it is, man. Like, you know, like uh, the thing about Kepa is that it's funny that whenever you hear him speak or like, you know, uh, I remembered when I read about, you know, his, uh, what do they call it? It's Players Tribunal or something like that. Where players players where, Tribunal. Right? Players yeah, tribunal. yeah. I remember when I read about that, like, I was like, wow, like, this guy is a very, you know, obviously, like, it's, it's you know, like, they rewrites the stuff and stuff like that. But when you read that, you hear the way he speaks, like, you feel like he's a very, you know, eloquent and, you know, he's someone that can get his message across, you know, in a very, very nice way. Unlike, you know, a lot of footballers that we know. But again, you know, we just have to see how it goes, honestly. But 
he joined our club, so we're just going to support him. We're not going to come here and, you know, start judging him with what happened with Chelsea and what did not happen. So, you know, it's a new chapter, you know. Uh, hopefully, you know, it's, 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 it's a way for him also to get back into the Spanish national team as well. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, we're just hoping for the best. And I wish Bono the best in Saudi Arabia as well. So, man can make some colored papers, man. Isn't Kepa already in the Spanish national team? I thought he was in the national team. He was in the national team, but he's not a starter. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Unai Simon. Exactly, Simon. Exactly. Yeah, Simon I, I think it will take a lot to displace Unai Simon. So <laughs> that's, I think, a step too I far mean, right the, now. The, the point is, the one of the reasons why Bayern wanted Kepa as well is because like he's very good with his foot. You understand? And that's one of the things that you know the Spanish national team uh, like you know checks a lot as well. So I think you know uh, if he's able to you know perform wonders for Real Madrid, I think he will have a very good shot. You know. Uh, Farouk, what I'm saying is the fact that I, I'm not really, uh, you know, questioning his fit with the national team and the possibility that if he does well, he could uh, potentially be. For me, the way I see it is the spot is Unai Simon's lose. Till he does something horrendous, he's not really going to lose that spot. It, it's the way it was with, uh, you know, Ike Casillas. The spot was his to lose. While uh, Victor Valdez could do, you know, no could do could have the greatest season of all time, but he still wouldn't have displaced Casillas because that spot was Casillas' to lose. So for me, the way I see it, I think it's like the spot is Unai Simon's lose, and Kepa can do anything. Where it wouldn't matter, you know, at the end of the day, because Simon has the uh, the the trust of the manager. That's that's the way how I see things. For me, the funny thing is like when Kepa was the starter at Bilbao, Unai Simon was the fourth uh, fourth choice. Exactly. Yep. yep. And so yep. he left, he leaves, and then you know Unai Simon suddenly becomes the starter, and then he takes over at the Spanish national team. So uh, I. I uh, about Bono, I think uh, he, the deal is pretty close. For me, I think the reason why Madrid didn't go for him, because uh, Sevilla said that there was no offer from Real Madrid for Bono. Uh, that I, I'm pretty sure that there were conversations. But the issue for me is like, AFCON, first of all, the thing is like, it's not just about a month. The fact of the matter is like, in that one month, we'll be playing like 15, 16 games. So you'll be, we'll be losing our starting keeper for like a good third. So I don't really know if it works for Real Madrid. The second aspect of the fact is like Sevilla were asking a lot of money from us. There, we have to understand that there is a Real Madrid price and there is a price for the others. For for Al Hilal, they're saying that a deal will get done around 20 million. But if we were asking, they said they release was 50 million. So what will you pay? So I think that's a matter of the fact. And another thing is like, I don't really think, uh, although reports in Spain initially were like, you know, uh, Kepa and uh, Yasin Bono are the two first choices. But there was a rumor from Valencia that Real Madrid actually made an offer for Mamadashvili uh, yeah. at Valencia. It, it, apparently, five million on a, on a loan for one year, and then fifteen million to buy him out. So, I think the the team the the team did explore other options, but uh, at the end of the day, we, we Kepa is the one who's coming in. So you know, we we, we got to support him. Right. Uh, so, uh, before we like uh, dive d- dive down deep into the Almeria uh, game, uh, let's just give a shout out to uh, Sid, uh, who has come out with all of the content uh, from outside the Bernabeu, where he's asking the fans uh, all of the questions that are relevant uh, right now. Uh, and this is all, guys, uh, for the listeners out here. So, this is all leading towards uh, uh, us getting exclusive match day footage so whenever there's a game at the Bernabeu. Uh, so these are just uh, precursors or content before the actual content. So I suggest you guys all take a look at these exclusive footages from the Bernabeu and keep supporting Sid, uh, keep supporting the cost, uh, hit those like buttons uh, so that we, that we can actually continue to make all of these things. 
Right. Uh, so since we're going to be reviewing the Elmeria game right now, uh, after one hour of the podcast, uh, I guess we have to like start with the elephant in the room, Arribas. Uh, you guys like the move? Uh, you guys think he's going to play tomorrow? And what's going to happen? He did an interview today. I don't know if you guys read it. Yeah, I did see quotes from, but it almost seemed unreal. Like just the quotes about Vinny and Rodrigo. Nah, I, I read the whole. I think overall it was a pretty balanced one. He talked a lot about a lot of things about Raúl and his journey in Castilla, and like you know he expected to be at Real Madrid. Like you know he he said that when you come through the academy, you expect to go to the first team because I think he said he deserved it. But he's gonna prove it tomorrow that he that the that the, the the club was confused about him and didn't really, you know, put him in the right spot. But I think that's a warning sign for Real Madrid because we have a history of our former former players scoring against us. So we'll see what happens. Um, I actually watched uh, Aribas play last week against uh, Rayo, and I think when he came on, you could actually see the difference in quality from the other players because, especially when it got got into tight spaces, you know, in and around the box. Aribas was pretty uh, damn good, and you know you could see the level of football, the player that he could potentially be, when, if he's allowed to play his game. But then on the defensive end, I think that he was a pretty, he was a bit lacking. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I think he will definitely play. I don't know if he'll start because last game he didn't start and he only came on at halftime. But I think when he did come on, his game was pretty brilliant for me. Actually, uh, uh, guys, correct me if I'm mistaken. I think we have a 50% uh, sell-on on Arribas, if I'm not mistaken. Do we? Or do we? Yeah, we have, have 50% sell-on on all our players. Ah, okay, that, that's great. Then I mean, that's the thing. So, like, you know, uh, it's good he talked the big talk. Hopefully, if he can walk the big walk, it's even better. It means that he can come back to us. And even if we can't use him, we can flip him for more money. So, that's fine. You know, it's a win-win all around. So, whatever happens with him, like, you know, we're always going to wish him the best. And, if he, if he, as I said, if he does well, it's a win for us. We bring him back. If he cannot help the team, we flip him for big money as well. So it's, it's, it's all good. So I, I really hope, you know, he gets the chance and I can understand, you know, what he's saying about, you know, the first team and like thereof because uh, he was given almost no chance to prove, you know, if he can or if he couldn't, you understand. So I, I at least with the first team, so I kind of understand a bit of his frustrations and hopefully like, you know, he can use that and, you know, show, you know, that he's actually deserving of a spot on the team. For me, it's tough to envision a return for Aribas because of the fact that, like, we already have like three players like that. You know, one is uh, so uh, let's say two players like that. Uh, Aribas was the first one I was gonna refer. But the thing is, like, we already we also have Ada Guler, who's probably I think in a similar mold, and then yeah. we also have Nico Bas coming through, who I also see the game is like somewhat similar. So for me, I think if these two guys develop, especially Guler, if he develops, I think it will be tough for you know Aribas to return because I think those are the areas that Guler plays in as well. And then Bellingham is also playing at the top of the diamond. So, you know, it's similar areas again. But I agree when Farouk says, you know, Aribas probably deserved more of a chance. But then it's, again, it comes down to tactics, you know. Aribas didn't really fit into what uh, Ancelotti wanted his players to do with the scheme he was playing. And Raul really got the best out of him by playing him centrally. When I watched the Almaria game last week, uh, he was playing centrally once again, you know, dominating the players in the half space and everything. So that's what he's best at. Sadly for him, Real Madrid wasn't playing that game last season. If he had stayed, probably he would have gotten a chance this season. But you know with Ancelotti, you know, uh, Farouk already pointed out, you know, there could be like 20 injuries and he would still figure out a way to play the first teamers before, you know, committing the sin of playing a Castilla player. So that's just how it is. Yeah, 
the only way I envision uh, Aribas is coming back is if you know somehow Raul is the manager and he asks for him to come back. Hmm. Yeah, and just to throw in the third player that you were missing, uh, uh, Brahim Diaz is of a similar mold as well, plays in the same position. I, uh, no comments over that. <laughs> I mean, that says it all. No, that says it all. Yeah. <sighs> I, I love Brahim. I'm pretty sad to see the situation that he's in right now. I think he, he I, I wish for his sake that Milan had found a way to, you know, keep him. Because I, I believe we did a, a video earlier during the summer as well. And I said this as well. I think there's a potential for an unhappy player being at Real Madrid when the season ends in Brahim Diaz. But he did we did he always have the chance to like say, hey, I just want to stay over here. I don't want to come back. Uh, was that always an option? Or I, I, does I think Brahim said that. Okay. Brahim said that, but uh, uh, Milan couldn't pony up the money. They wanted like to, to buy him for like less than 20 million. So are you like saying we pretty much have a slave on the team right now? Like uh, we're forcing him to be at the club? I mean, he's not a slave. He's playing for Real Madrid. He's getting good money. Of course, he's here. <laughs> the, uh, but you know, when you, uh, when a player is not going to get a shot and he comes from being an important player for Milan, that's going to lead to a player being unhappy. Especially when you realize the fact that this club is always going to be buying players in his position. Somebody I think the people should keep a watch on it. Like if he doesn't go to PSG, is you know, Ryan Cherky. He's also a player in the similar mold who who has said previously that it's his dream to play for Amrit. So if he does well, you know, you never know. Even he could be coming here. Well, that's the thing more like, you know, like you talk about the the price, which, you know, with, with Brian and AC Milan. I just kind of feel like I don't know what it is exactly. But the point is we could see Milan spending money on Samu Chukwese and, you know, Okafo from Salzburg as well. And, you know, that they spent quite a lot of money on, those atta on these two attackers. I mean, they, and, they, they know, got Chukwese for less. They got, like, for him for 20 million. Yeah. So why are they paying 20 and for the same Brian Diaz there? Real wanted more. Madrid, they were willing to pay 20 million. Real wanted more. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. Well, it is what it is, man. You know, like, that's the thing, like, uh, with, with AC Milan. And, you know, they got they got in new players like Christian Pulisic and, you know, Chukwese, Okafo, I think. Which will overall, you know, improve the quality of their team. Like, but for Diaz, it's it's a really sad story. But I don't know. You never can tell. You know, it seems like some, you know, some witch somewhere is cursing us right now, and everyone is falling like flies. You know, so he can, he might eventually have his chance with the team. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, I I feel like the reason that we brought him in was immediately after Asensio left, and the fact is that we actually we actually don't have the Asensio position on the team right now. It's been taken up by Bellingham or one of the other midfielders. Uh, so what, do you feel like he could actually leave out on loan if he doesn't play at all? Is he that? Is he going to be that unhappy or uh, is he going to wait until the end of the season to take a decision? I, I think let's wait until the end of the season. Nobody's going to leave Real Madrid right now because I think the trust one of Madrid is closed. <laughs> Unless and until, like I keep saying, something amazing happens. Um, the transfer window for Real Madrid is over. You're not gonna the players we have, that's the team we're going to the season. You're not going to even say out his name anymore on the podcast. No. <laughs> Man, the amount of specials that we had for the guy. Yeah, I, I think we did two or three, yeah. We've never done that, much, that many for a single player. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I, I think the thing is, like, we or we generally have a pretty good hold of not getting drawn into rumors and stuff like that. But I think uh, with everything that happened, especially with that, that unnamed player being left out of the tour and everything, uh, I think that really, uh, you know, 
send the hopes to the Everest. Uh, well, right now it's all come crashing down. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, before. Well, then, uh, just a, a question, guys. I like. Do you guys actually see this guy extending his contract? Like, we know that he's most likely going to extend to twenty twenty five. But is there any chance it's going to be more than that? Because honestly, I just feel like we might have gambled the season away in the expectation of something that might never have happened eventually. The reports of contract extension have been denied. What they are saying is he's going to give up his bonus. Um, he's so going to give up his bonus. Yeah. So they're just happy with the 80 million uh, that they're going to keep. Uh, I think this is the situation. PSG initially leaked through their sources that uh, Kylian Mbappe is going to sign a new contract. But then Kylian Mbappe's sources, like, you know, people like Mario Cortegana, who are close to Kylian Mbappe, they said that no, he's not going to renew his contract. He's going to, he wants to end the season at PSG, as he has always said. But there's this rumor that he might give up his uh, contract bonus. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, the extension, I think, as of right now, we don't really know. But the thing is, with uh, with the unnamed player, you can never really trust anything. You know, he can make U-turns at any time. Hmm. And so he just paid 80 million pretty much to start uh, in the season's league games or Champions League. Hmm. There was this rumor that uh, came out today that even the bonus thing isn't true. And he's being played because there was some pressure from France towards Qatar and where they said that, you know, this, this is a, a player of this stature shouldn't be subjected to stuff that your guys are doing. So there was definitely some diplomatic pressure to get him, you know, back into the team. I don't really know how true it is, you know, because right now we're dealing into the dark underbelly of the transfer market <laughs> rumors. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but, I, can, uh, I can see it not happening though. Like, uh, Mbappe just, uh, he has Macron's number, he can just call him up and say, get, like, look at what is happening to me, like, is this what you're going to do with a French, French citizen? This can't be happening. Yeah, well, thing, I, I actually felt like, you know, uh, that he played the right card at the right moment, because as I mean, you know, Jacob, I mentioned this to you last week as well. The point is, it's France going to the World Cup with Kylian Mbappe as a captain. It's Paris, the place he's born, hosting the Olympics at the summer of 24, where he's expected to captain the national team out. You understand? Do you think the national and Paris Saint-Germain is based in France? Do you think Emmanuel Macron is just going to fold his hand? Yeah, the poster boy of our all competitions, he can sit on the bench and not play. That's not going to happen. That's for sure, even without Qatar pressuring them, for sure, like, you know, the, the, the Paris and, you know, uh, and France as a whole would have pressured PSG to play Kylian Mbappe whether they liked it or not, because it was just impossible. I mean, when we talk about player power, like, I mean, there was Cristiano and Messi, but man, I have never seen shit like this before. Even if it was happening, then it was happening behind the scenes. Uh, Farouk, but you have to take into account the fact that Qatar, uh, France owes a lot to Qatar because they, it is because of the geopolitics. You lived in, the, in, in Europe, so you probably are much more aware about these things than I am. So there's also that aspect. But then you also, we also have to remember that the only reason Qatar will agree to do this if they, and leave with some respect for them intact because you know saving face is pretty important for them so true. we'll see very what true. happens very true i'm saying like you know my boy is about to sign a new contract with napoli next summer 150 million euros victor osman is the new number nine simple done there is no force there is no headache this is someone that will run and bleed the white blood there is no need to you know keep going across i mean i i think osman signed a new contract with napoli with a release for 150 million Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm, I've been telling you like for a long time. Remember, I'm not going to spend 150 million on a player not named Kylian Mbappe. 
I don't know, man. I don't know, honestly. No, but, uh, really... that, that's interesting for me. Like, do you actually feel like Ossiman is going to be a better fit for this current squad than Mbappe? Wow, good question. Obviously, Mbappe is a better player, so like, I'll prefer Mbappe to come, but I mean... I mean, oh, Mbappe no. is a better player, so that's just it. Like, there is no issue of, you know, better fit or lack thereof. The point is, Mbappe is a better player, like, you know, for whatever he is or whatever he is, and, you know, the morals or the lack of morals, you know, he is a better player. He is the best player in the world. So, like, I don't think there is any scenario where I choose Victor Rosen and work to get Mbappe, honestly. I don't think, I just don't see it. Uh, all right, I mean, let's just move on. Uh, no points crying about spilled milk. We'll worry about it. Uh, we'll have a lot what more milk, milk that you never had. You don't even have the milk to, to even bro, spill like, it. What? Bro, we, the milk that was spilled was that we did not start signing a striker this season. We kept. Uh, hey, hey, Jacob, I'd just like to clarify this. Remember, they didn't sign a striker not because of Kylian Mbappe. They didn't sign a striker because they didn't think there was value on the market. They didn't come think on, Hurricane on. spending 120 million on Hurricane was worth it. That's the issue. Why would they think that, man? Like, what's wrong with them? Hurricane does not have any value on the market once he's signed for Real Madrid. If you, if you spend 120 million for him over four years, you'll be, you'll be paying him 30 million every year just for his transfer fees. And then there's probably going to be a good compensation package as well. So that's, yeah. let's imagine, even if he gets 20 million after, like, before taxes, it's like 50 million every year on a player. Who's, who could leave you like two or three years down the line, but he wouldn't have any transfer value. So, you know, that's the, the amount of investment that was going into Hurricane. For Ramadan's perspective, I don't think that that's something they wanted to do. Yeah, for, for me as a fan, personally, I actually love Hurricane, so I would have loved it for him to come here. I would have played 120 million, you know, eyes closed. So the thing is, uh, Ramadan, the way the board is run, for like I've said this before, right? For us fans, it's always about the next season. For the for the boy, it's about building a team that lasts for ten years. So the way they see it, Hurricane doesn't really fit into it. For them, Kylian Mbappe is like the ultimate piece. So yeah, there you said it. Like it's it's more about the money and the logistics of it, and not the yeah. fact that he can it, it, bang in forty goals. It's not just about logistics. It's about like you know the long term vision they have, and. Florentino Perez wants like the, he already built the Galacticos like two twice over, so he, the next thing he wants to build he wants another Ramirez that can dominate Europe for like you know well, however long it can. And there's then there's also the fact that even if we sign a player like Harry Kane or you know Victor Osimhen from Farouk's entourage, it would, it would really be the differentiating factor when we go against teams like Manchester City. I think that's the we want to build a team that can compete against uh, you know the clubs that are being heavily backed by nation states. So. You need the best to beat the best. Yeah, and uh, so just speaking about it, like uh, our front line, it's a bit thin right now, uh, especially in terms of start starters. Uh, Farouk, just with the like just takeaways from the first game of the season, uh, did you actually think we can? Do you actually think we can actually um, score enough goals to win La Liga with this uh, front line, or do we need more uh-huh. signing? I think we can. I, I think this front line is good enough to win the league, honestly. I just feel like, you know, they need time to gel it out, to figure it out. Because uh, on the Guys, post-match, I said... Guys, interrupt you? Uh, Yasin Bono thing just became official. Wow. He's okay. joined Al-Hilal. I mean, where is... I don't know, what's the prominent sports TV in, 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 in Saudi Arabia? Like, I did looking for some pundits or some podcast, you know, 
someone that has watched a bit of these players across, you know, to make to give some insight. I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, am, be, I am learning Luka to Arabia. We should be watching the league and, you know, starting a new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm here, man. I'm looking for, you know, I'm okay. Like the point is, my morals has a has a certain value, and they can pay the release cost of that of that, and my morals will be, you know, out of the cage. So that's fine as well. You know, there is no problem. For me, I don't think football definitely has to be Eurocentric. I, I like the fact that different countries are investing in the game, and you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, like I mean, don't let's not go there, boy. It's just white man's bias, you know. Like anything that is not theirs is always not good enough. That's just the thing. Like, but what's the difference between going to 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 America like Messi did or going to you know Saudi Arabia the point is they're both shit leagues and they're both garbage games you go there and you see like on I mean yeah Messi is a fantastic player but do you see this defending that is happening in MLS oh god like I mean god man I feel shy even watching this you know <laughs> so I mean it's, it's, it's just, I, I learned that lesson a long time ago I mean it's it's, it's just you know they're no but the thing is like i think saudi is like really investing they've gotten a lot of like high quality players and the the thing about it that is like they they have invested across the board it isn't just like a couple of teams getting big name players a, a lot more teams are getting a lot more big name players so we'll see what happens but then you know yeah. there's also been a little bit of a backlash in saudi because uh, al ittihad they spent a lot of time building their team you know signing local the best local players available and everything and suddenly yeah. this this window everything has changed they're the defending champions but i think they only got like four international players and al hilal like the biggest club in asia they have like they 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 have signed a new team almost and i i i see i think it is difficult to beat al hilal the way they're structured right now nice nice so anyways back back to our Faruk, there's your insight man huh? al hilal is the team to watch <laughs> Yeah, I mean, is it like really official? Like uh, the Saudi league is better than League One. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I don't have any comment. I don't watch either of the league that much, so only sometimes parts yeah. of games here and there. Other than that, I don't know nah. why Farouk is dithering. You know, Saudi league is definitely better. It's yeah. the second best league in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just check my phone if I got my money from PIF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Only as Mo said, you know, only time will tell what you know eventually is going to happen with with the league or like there. But I also believe, like you know, everyone tries to do a parallels with what happened with China. But I definitely think that this is different. So I genuinely believe that. But I mean, also only time will tell. But anyways, back to you know our our talk about you know the the front line and like there. Right? As I say, like. <clears throat> In the first game, one thing I noticed the most is, you know, this gap between the front two and, you know, the midfield four. Like, I feel like that gap was too much. But then again, you know, I think it's something that eventually will work out, you know, as the team grows, you know, and uh, Jude will start to understand the position more or if it's going to be a more, you know, dynamic team where, you know, everyone just, you know, takes a rotation and there is no, you know, uh, set position and set number. But I do genuinely believe that, again, I said, I think the reason Barcelona won last year was because of the amazing defense. I don't think they can keep up, keep up that miracle defense again. Hence, I do genuinely believe we can put in, even if we don't win the title, I think we can put in a very, very, very strong, you know, uh, competition for whoever eventually is the champion. But I do believe that our front line is, is good enough to, you know, get the job done. Yeah, man. Uh, let's see how it goes. Um, 
so before we like head into the remnant lineups, uh, Mo, I'm going to come to you because you already saw one of Almeria's games. Uh, where is my question is two part. Like, where is first of all Ariba's going to start? Uh, what's his role going to be? Like, and the second part is how are they going to line up against us? Uh, what's their game plan to play against us? Is it going to be more of borderless ball again, or is it uh, something more attack? You see, that's the that's the thing, right? You don't really know. You can't really judge a team how they're playing against other La Liga teams, like, and then uh, predict how they'll play against uh, us or Barcelona or even Atleti, for that matter. I think uh, Almeria might have played a certain way against Rio, although they lost. But when it comes to Madrid, they're going to sit deep, you know, and attack on the counter. And I think the biggest threat that they have is Largi Ramzani. I think the guy has a lot of pace. And if you guys remember, he scored against us last season, if I'm not wrong, uh, when we played uh, at Almeria. So... Although they don't really have uh, Umar Sadiq anymore, they signed Luis Suarez. Uh, for me, Luis Suarez isn't that good of a striker. But, uh, you know, Ramzani is there, so I think they'll sit deep and try to get balls into him and, you know, hope for, for the best. Uh, Arribas, I don't really know if he'll start. But uh, if he plays, I think he'll play centrally. Because, like I said before as well, uh, last game I saw him play a lot more centrally. And he was, like, especially dominating the game against uh, Rio when he came on, you know, especially in those half spaces and areas around the box, uh, playing a lot of one-twos, getting crosses into the box from out wide. The same thing that we saw him do at Castilla. So I think uh, Arribas is definitely going to be a threat when he's on. The level of quality that he brings to the team is like differential. Uh, but I don't really know if the manager trusts him enough to start against a, a big team like Real Madrid, you know, especially a game where they probably wouldn't have too much of the ball. So for me, the way I see it is like, you know, Maria probably sitting deep and attacking Real Madrid whenever they get a chance on the counter. So And with I mean, our lineup, you know, how dominant we could be in the midfield, I I, I see, think that is the way they're going to go. And Ramzani, he's someone who plays centrally? Or uh, am I just looking at the lineup still? Uh, I think he was listed as a central player in the last game. But I think he definitely is a winger. He definitely enjoys playing out wide. Uh, you know, okay. Uh, exploiting the spaces. Yeah. Okay, so do you have the same sentiment as Ashik? Uh, I'm just going to read this out. So he says, as a Real Madrid fan, I'll say Real will win Saturday. But as a betting man, I say the game ends in a tie. We'll struggle to score. We saw what happened last season when uh, we went away to Almeria. They really shut uh, like they really shut the shop down and, you know, tried to force us into playing, like, you know, trying to exploit a, a low back line. So I think that's something that I see them doing again. And they have a player like Ramzani who can, you know, really make use of his pace and go at our defense. Without Militao, I don't really know how much pace our defense has, you know, because like Militao used to cover a lot of uh, pacey opponents. Rudiger and Alaba don't really have that same level. But then we have changed the tactics and now, you know, we have a lot more dynamic front line, I guess. <laughs> also seeing the heat maps of, uh, Vinicius and Rodrigo, they were pretty much limited to their flanks. So I don't really know how this goes, but it will definitely be interesting. And what Ashik is saying about it, if it happens, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. And Farouk, uh, just from the game, from the first game, uh, did you feel like the team actually put out a really good defensive display? Was it mostly down to the midfield, or, or do you think the defense of Rudiger and Alaba, Carvajal coming into form as well was really good? Uh, I would say let's talk about this later because the point is I actually felt like, you know, Atleti were really, really, you know, Atletico Bilbao were really, really blunt in attack. So 
I didn't feel like, you know, they actually gave us a lot of, you know, uh, threats, honestly. So this is the reason why I don't know if it's actually, you know, our defensive stuff or what. One thing I, I can, I, I would say for sure is that I felt like, you know, our midfield was more dynamic. It was more, you know, athletic and, you know, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was not a one-man job, but rather it was a four-man job, you know, and like, they were like all over, all over the left back and the right back position and what is and what is not. So I would say for now, I would say the midfield, but I don't know, maybe it's also part of defense because honestly, credit where it's still like Frank Garcia, although he started very, you know, badly, uh, he actually uh, grew into the game and I felt like he was a very, very strong performer as well. And obviously Carvalho rolled his back as well. So uh, I don't know, maybe because of how, you know, strong and athletic the midfield is, like it also provides, you know, like a backbone for the defense to be, you know, uh, I don't know, to be more solid, I would say, because, you know, one thing we always know is that our, always our, our defense is always left to fend for themselves. You know, that's what at least we've seen for the past years. You know, Casemiro has been instrumental, you know, at least he's in that bottom, but still then, like, our defense has always been, you know, Ramos and Varane doing nasty tackles. And even as Mo was rightly pointing out, you know, the pace of Militao allows for a lot of recovery, you know. But uh, I think, you know, right now with this midfield, I think maybe the style of play might change a little bit in the sense that you don't always need that recovery because, you know, you have a lot of body and, you know, athletic and young, uh, really fast uh, bodies around as well. So I think that might be. So for now, I will just see the midfield because that's what I, I, that's at least the biggest difference I saw, you know, from the first game. Yeah. So what, what was your take on Chaumini's performance? Um... Like, did he actually do the Casemiro role? I, I saw, like, parts of him play. Uh, so I saw, I noticed just, uh, he had this last-ditch uh, block that he had against, uh, who struck was it? I think it was... Uh... I don't exactly remember who shot it was, but it was, I think he covered for a mistake and he really tracked back. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, like, it was something our players expected to be a foul on Alaba, I guess. I don't exactly remember who it was on. It was Cruz, so right? Many... Yeah, sorry, it was Cruz. Yeah. I think they felt that he was fouled, and then he uh, Chouamani ran back and uh, covered for uh, the shot. If I think that's the one you're talking about, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. For me, I think uh, from uh, Chouamani's performance uh, last week, I felt that you know we saw what his best abilities are: uh, running with the ball, you know, taking crossing uh, the lines of the opponents. And he, I think he did decently defensively, you know, positioning wise. But overall, uh, I think a lot remains to be seen because I think Athletic Club is probably not the best opponent to be start, you know, to start evaluating players against and making broad conclusions. Because at the end of the day, these players are pretty good and you really expect them to perform against teams like these. The major factor about how things are is going to be when we play the big games, you know, because th that's the differences for, uh, that's where the ultimate uh, uh, ultimate test lies for Real Madrid. Because, you know, we want to win titles like Champions League and win La Liga. So in games of thin margins, the players who perform will always be preferred. Mm. Like speaking of just like the lineup specifically to the game, uh, we can actually get into uh, the lineups, but let's start with the midfield this time for a change. Uh, do you think like oh, it's not going to be the same uh, intensity? I think it's going to be the same. I think it's going to be the same, same midfield. Yeah, okay. Uh, but let's take for a minute. Like, this opponent is not the same as Athletic Bilbao. The intensity is not going to be as great. Uh, so, with that in mind, like, do you think it would be better to start either of Cruz and Modric in this game? Or did you really like the dynamic of the young midfield with the legs? The legs actually reminds me also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but honestly, man, I think I think this is the time when you really have to back the young players. I think the directive from the board to Ancelotti is like you have to start these players. So for me, barring a huge surprise, I see uh, these players starting again because you know it's it's about getting them into rhythm and you know really dealing with match situations and handling pressure. So for me, I think they will start. But if things don't go well, I could well see Modric and Cruz coming on early, at least earlier than they came on last game. Yeah, man. And Farouk, uh, we all know, like, they were all raving about uh, Bellingham, but do you think Kamavinga and uh, Fede as well, they had a really good game? They really work in the system, or are they sometimes just passengers? Uh, I actually genuinely believe that, you know, like, I think this is a system that will work for Fede Valverde a lot, and uh, how, you know, Kamavinga will adapt is something that I'm still curious to see, because, you know, in the previous game, like, I kind of feel like his performance was be below par. I don't know. So I, I, I'm still just, you know, waiting to see because, I, you know, obviously, like, Jude was the star of the game. And, you know, as more rightly pointed, you know, like, as well, like, this team is not the best. Like, playing again, I get the game against Ribao wasn't the best, you know, actually to evaluate, you know, uh, with the performance of these individuals, honestly. But, <clears throat> yeah, I do, you know, I, I believe that. This 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 formation is is something that is 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 still very new, honestly. So like we still have to wait to see how you know this the roles will be like eventually. Because I still believe that you know what we see on paper is not necessarily what is gonna happen. You know, like a four in the midfield with a diamond at the top. I think it's gonna be you know much more complicated than that. So yeah, like I think the roles are still a bit confusing, at least for me. Like you know, I still am not very sure who is supposed to do what and what what is supposed to be where. So. I think with a bit of time, hopefully we can get to understand these roles better and obviously get to interpret the players in a more, you know, fair light. Right. Uh, I, I feel like we our lineup is pretty much going to be the same from last time. Uh, there's not going to be any changes. Maybe maybe in goalkeeper, like uh, more. Do you feel like Kepa? We already discussed this, but is he going to immediately start? Or what's the likelihood of that? Uh, like I said, I think it's going to be Luna in starting this game. Kepa probably starts from the next game. I think there's going to be a one change that uh, it's going to be Rudiger instead of Melita. Oh, that's true. <laughs> we could, I, I think if we could also possibly, I'm not sure if this happens, but we could also possibly see Lucas Vasquez play instead of Carvalho because it's a game against Almeria. Exactly. We, we were, throughout the places, and that, that was our main concern since they did not sign a uh, right back. We need to manage the minutes of Carvalho to keep him fresh for the big games and. It's games like these that we need Lucas Vasquez to actually play and step up. And I think against a deep sitting defense, Lucas could do a job, you know, because yeah. he his back his grounding is as playing as a winger, so he could be potentially pretty good. And I think if I remember last season when we were playing away, away at Almeria, Lucas did contribute with a goal, I think. Mm-hmm. So you know, those good memories could bring back Lucas into action. And the Spider-Man might deliver again, you know, score another goal. <laughs> By the way, guys, like any news on Mendy? Like, you guys know how long he is. That's why I was waiting, like, two months, three months. I'm not sure. For long, Mendy, I think he's back in training, both him and Ceballos, but they're not going to return on, or, over the weekend. We'll see if it happens. Ah, he's, uh, Mendy is back in training. Yeah, I think the, him and Ceballos are exciting together. That's what I remember. Ah, that's, 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 that's great news. That's great news. Oh, okay then. All right. Because I was thinking, you know, we have to go months again before we see Fulham Mendy, and you know. I'll tell you this about Mendy: you can never trust him. He could still get injured. I know, man. Don't worry. I, I I'm 100% aware of that. So I know that. The good thing about Marvel is the fact that he could play a left back too. So. 
Mm. But like oh. you said, you know, we could, we, we could probably see Rodrigo playing left back before <laughs> So we never can. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy things are happening. Honestly, I mean, I don't know why, but honestly, I just lost all the thing, like all the faith and everything I have in Mendy because I just feel like it's just like, you know, having a car that doesn't have an engine. So like I have the frame, but then it doesn't, what's the point? It's just, you know, it's just there, you know, but it's not useful, you know, that's the thing with Mendy as well. But hopefully, you know, he can prove me wrong and get back to at least a sense of, I mean, I don't even want him to get back to his best. I just want him to be fit. Just, oh. you know, get back to full fitness, you know? <laughs> that's how low the bar is with it. Uh, I mean, uh, for me, exactly. the thing is that it's not just about being fit, man. Like, uh, whenever he has been played recently, he's looked very shaky. He's been giving away the ball multiple times. It's just... Really, it's a worry, like especially when we are Carvajal and speeding around the other side. We don't need this from Andy. We need solidity, and we just haven't been getting that from him. Yeah, that's true, actually. But that also, you know, goes to the fact about the lack of continuity as well. I think you know because he had a lot of stats, stop, stats, stop. You know, eventually, I mean, he's not a robot. You don't expect him to, you know, just go in and come in and switch off the switch and what is and what is not. So I do feel like, you know, getting back to, you know, full fitness and with time, you know, that continuity will, you know, bring back what we saw in the past because I always never rated, you know, his offensive output. But what I always said is I personally believe he's the best defensive fullback, you know, in the world. So that is what we need, you know, that's that solidity is something that we, we, we need back as well, you know, in the team. But let's see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess we've touched upon pretty much everything. Uh, but before we like do a prediction, let's like do a prediction for Almeria season as well as a whole. Since Arribas has also joined last time, uh, they finished out 17th in the league. Uh, this time, do you feel like Arribas is going to lead them to a top of the half table finishing, or is it going to be more of the same? Let's start with you. <laughs> the way I see it is like they have signed a lot of good players, but um, signing good players doesn't always guarantee results. I think they're probably finishing the bottom half again. But they probably survive. You, Farouk, they're going to survive? Yeah, I'm not too sure, man. I think, yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, they finished 17th on the last year of last season because you know, exactly. there was a chance with the other, other teams as well. So I kind of feel it's going to be something similar as well, 16, 17, 18 kind of range for them again. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they got relegated again. But I, I wasn't sure about like their new signings. Uh, maybe I'll need to take a look at uh, how they play against us to judge. I think they're players. actually one of the few Liga teams that have actually signed players. So. <laughs> <laughs> the sad, sad state of sad state of Spanish football. Mm. All right. Uh, with that, like, do you want to head into the predictions for the game? Man, I don't really like doing predictions. So. Oh, it's. it's... <laughs> I, I think we get cursed after we do predictions. No, man. Like, just, uh, just last time we predicted a 2 0, we did not concede any goals. It was all good. I feel like. The last time I predicted a game, we lost 4 0. So. <laughs> was it a 0 again? <laughs> <laughs> it uh, was the one against City, the away uh, leg. So. Damn. Yeah, I mean, let's start with you, Mo. Uh, I, I don't think this is a new season. It's a new Mo. Uh, I feel like you're not going to bring any more bad luck. So, Yeah, I'm going to anticipate my bad luck and claim Almeria is going to win 10-0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
right? Is, is that your like serious answer? Come on. Yeah, that's we my do. serious answer. Then that's the best I can do. You know, <laughs> we do all we can for the club. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's. How about you, uh, Farooq? Yeah, I mean, I think we can have a similar scoreline, a more of a two-nil kind of a scoreline, and I think like you know, uh, I feel like Almeria would not have enough attacking power to you know uh, get a goal, you know, even though with the addition of Luis Suarez and you know uh, uh, Arribas as well, I just feel like you know right now the team is gonna put in you know at least try to put in a very solid performance. So I see you know just uh, two goals out of the blue, nothing special, and you know a boring game again. Mm. <clears throat> I'm going to predict a 2-1 uh, because in the first game, uh, it was our league opener. It was against Athletic Bilbao. All of the players were really switched on, right? Uh, so they took care of the defensive responsibilities really well. As, even Jude was like putting in last-ditch tackles and whatnot. But then this time, I feel like they're going to kind of underestimate them and not be aware 100% of the time. So a 2-1 is what I predict. I find 2-1 a good prediction. The only reason I think that is because I think Almeria, like I said, is going to sit deep and they're going to attack us on the counter and there's going to be some spaces for them to exploit. So I could definitely see them scoring at least one goal, you know, and with the defense we have, you know, Rudiger, Alaba and everything. So it could happen. The way and, I see it. and it's like a good bet uh, to bet on Arriba scoring against us with the track record we have. Definitely. Well, but, but I would back Ramzani to be the scorer against us. Ramzani. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, that you have it, folks. Um, we don't have a lot of comments to be talking about. But yeah, uh, is Ryan Turkey actually going to AC Milan? Is that what I? AC Milan. He's not going to AC Milan. If he goes, I think the two teams that would uh, right now, if he leaves this summer, it will be either to PSG or to uh, Chelsea. Mm. So Kolo Muani to PSG is also close to being done. I think the player has an agreement with PSG. Right. The clubs don't really have an agreement as of now. Man, that is the PSG of this year going to be like? Does it seem like a scarier team to you than last year? I think their midfield is a bit weak, uh, but their attack is definitely stronger. I think with uh, if Mbappe stays, uh, they'll have Mbappe, and if Kolomuani comes, Mbappe, Kolomuani, and Dembele is a pretty decent, you know, a formidable attacking lineup. Yeah, with Gonzalo Ramos on the bench. Gonzalo Ramos on the bench, they will have Kangin Lee, even Marco Asensio, you know, coming off the bench. So Asensio coming off the bench is a different player. And I, I think uh, a rumor that I've read is like they're going to probably going to be dropping Marquinhos. So once they drop Marquinhos, then all their bad luck from the back line is going to go away. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that that will be something interesting to look at as well. I think they have Milan Skriniar now. And uh, yeah. who's the other center back? I forgot. Prince or Kimpembe. Is Fresco fit? I thought he wasn't fit. I think he was. No, not sure. I mean, they played Danilo Pereira as a full as a center back as well. well I mean, maybe we yeah. Have time. I was just reading to it today from some of the PSG sources that uh, Marquinhos probably could get stripped of the captaincy as well. You know, essentially in favor of the person we all know. So it's definitely. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, I mean, he he comes and he says, you know, like. If you don't want to be here, you can leave and shit like that. And then he goes behind the bark and like, oh yeah, uh, Mbappe doesn't want to play with uh, Verratti. Verratti is gone. Mbappe doesn't want to play with Neymar. Neymar is gone. So I mean, Mbappe wants to play happening. with Dembele. They bring in Dembele. Yeah, exactly. Dembele is there. So like, I don't know. Like, you know, you say shit and you do something else. But anyways, it is what it is, man. 
it's the point is, tough. whatever happens, you know, like Kylian Mbappe has to become a footballer again to ever play for Real Madrid. Right now, he is something else. Yeah, that's my takeaway from that too. Like, why if if PSG are sure that Mbappe is going to leave next season, why bring in Dembele? Why get the players? Why lose? Jacob, you know, off? Jacob, you know, I want to say something. This is quickly turning into the fourth special on Mbappe. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh yeah, they fucking bought Lucan and Hernandez from Bayern actually. Yeah. So he didn't he play left back in the last game? Or yeah, yeah. That's CB. Okay. Yeah. Ah, so that's actually really nice. But that's also that's the thing, like you know, they're Frenchizing the whole Paris Saint Germain as well. I think that's something that Mbappe really wanted, and they're doing it. If Colomani comes, you know, it's gonna be on the right track. Yeah, oh, interesting. I, I you know, he has I, his back. I, I, okay, uh, go on, Fab. Yeah, go, go. Nah, it's, it's nothing, man. I wasn't going to say anything of note. Okay. Uh, yeah, for me, like, uh, just that game where Mbappe wasn't playing, uh, that first game, Kangangli for them like, looked really good. He was creating all of the opportunities, uh, taking some tight touches. Asensio, I couldn't say the same, but yeah, you know, Asensio comes and goes. You know, something very really interesting just popped up. Uh, we were talking about the city, right? And I think there's a rumor from France, Le Keep, they're claiming that Jeremy Duku is close to a move to Manchester City. Yeah, for well, 50 million. Oh, wow. That's a very, very good Haru shot. Gets the price. Haru gets the price. You already got 50 million from Jacob. 100? 100 million. Duku is from Ren, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Duku is a patron, yeah. right? Yeah, that's the rumor from Le Keep. I mean, I. <laughs> but the point is, it's it's English Premier League, so it's a different market. Like, if it was a Spanish team or a German team, obviously the price would be different. Like, it's it's, it's Premier League money, so the, the market is different. But Duko is a good shout. He's a very raw player, but he's a very very skillful and pacey player. Like, he he requires a lot of fine tuning, but I think he's he's a really good player. Because I remember seeing him with Belgium. Like my first, you know, impression of him was actually with Belgium at the Euro 2021 or 2020 or whatever it's called. Like he was really good actually there. Like, but he was good without being productive. But I feel like you know, with a bit of fine tuning, they can get him there. But for 100 million, fuck that man. I mean, the fact. Okay, so the takeaway is that City they're not getting weak. They're just finding players left and right. Uh, they're getting a lot of depth. Uh, same with PSG as well. So it's going to be an interesting Champions League this time again. I mean, Bayern, it's only it's only on September second that we can really evaluate like where the teams lie in the mm. pecking order. For me, right now, City is first, and you know already as it is, and Bayern is probably second. But we'll Bayern, see. Bayern second for you already? Like how come? Uh, we'll probably discuss it later. Let's uh, not do sure. everything in this one episode. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, we did the predictions, uh, but before we go, uh, I just ask you to again go back to and catch our video where we bring you live uh, footage from the Bernabeu. Right now, we have the Ask the Fans series going on, but then as soon as the first uh, home game uh, rolls around, Sid will be there in the stands actually covering exclusive footage. We might even see like hidden conversations between Kamavinga and uh, Bellingham, so caught on camera. So watch out for that. Wink, wink. And our seed is just like Sid Low, only better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. And right.
right now. Thanks for like uh, tuning in uh, for all of you guys here for catching the live. Um, Asa and uh, Ashik, all of you guys, uh, Rajat as well. Thanks for keeping us company. Uh, for those of you who are uh, catching us later, please do hit the, the like button and hit subscribe if you enjoyed the content. You can catch us on all of the audio platforms as well. We're on the, uh, the links are down in the description below. Uh, consider following us on our social medias uh, and uh, our partners over at uh, Rail Merit Committee because we have some interesting memes and transfer emails that we put out on our account itself. All right, uh, with that, you know what to say, guys. Hello Madrid. Hello Madrid. Hello Madrid. <laughs>